How you doing? Good, good, good. How about you? How's everything over there? It's going good. Good. Here, let me get this set up. Okay. See me all right there? Yeah, I think it's been a year, right? Yeah. Since last time we talked. I would say, yeah, right at a year. Cool. So is everything okay over there? Yeah, everything's going good. We're right in the middle of off-season uh, with baseball. So, uh, well, I shouldn't say right in the middle. We're four weeks into the uh, fall semester. So, um, yeah, we're we're getting up to speed. We've got some changes right now. So it's uh, it's been a little bit difficult with our schedule, but um, I think we're we're starting to hit a groove. Cool. First of all, like, appreciate it for your time, man. Appreciate it for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. There's audience says he lo he loves your content. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I appreciate that. I let me here. Let me scroll. I seen a couple questions. <laughs> so I, first of all, I know we've done this before, but still, can you introduce yourself for the audience? Yeah, absolutely. My name is uh, Zach Dakin. I am the Assistant Athletic Director of Human Performance at TCU, Texas Christian University. I oversee uh, baseball performance um, here at TCU and then oversee the uh, rest of the human performance staff. So, uh, why did you start the Sprint Timber program? Yeah, certainly. Um, it really, I mean, it, it's not me that started Sprint Timber. It was uh, Mike Tucker at Villanova. So um, Mike started it three years ago, and it was kind of in um, contrast to uh, Sorenex's. Uh, they have uh, Squatober. Now I think they've come up with Dead Simber as well. It was kind of in contrast to that because lifting's great. Um, nothing wrong with that, but uh, he wanted to do something that was a little bit more geared towards being athletic, if you want the truth. And and we know how important sprinting is, and it often gets put on the back burner with strength coaches because everybody believes strength is everything. And so he put it out there so that we just we, we made it an emphasis to um, bring sprinting to the forefront and let everybody know how how important sprinting and jumping is and in athletic performance, it's truly everything, right? And the weight room yeah. is a supplement to everything that happens on the field. And so, you know, Mike was the one that created it three years ago. And Andrew and myself jumped on board last year in, in year two to start doing the uh, content for it, essentially. And, and this is kind of where it's gone. So, um, you know, we still call uh, Mike the uh, godfather and the, and the uh, founder of, of Brent Timber. Um, but as far as kind of uh, the content creation goes, for the most part, it it uh, it comes through Andrew and myself here at TCU now. Cool. So, is it based on like uh, team sport athlete, or or is it based on like a training chat guys? Well, yeah, it would be based more for uh, the program is written for team sport athletes, and that's really what it's in a way geared towards. I shouldn't even say geared towards. It's geared towards everybody, especially the general public. Um, so that it just brings awareness to sprinting and the importance of jumping. And the program itself is great because we include links to, you know, all the warm-up activities, extensive jumps. It brings a lot of awareness and knowledge to different forms of training that 
I would say a lot of the general public hasn't seen before, and even a lot of coaches and team sport athletes, right? Um, not everyone is familiar with the uh, rudiment series where you take um, low-level plyometrics, low-level jumps, and, <clears throat> and perform those over a distance of, you know, 5, 10, 15 yards or for a, for a period of time. Not everybody's familiar with those things. So there's a lot of education that goes along with the programming as well because there's videos provided, video links. Everything is basically given to you, and it just gives you a, it gives you a quick glimpse into a strength coach's mind on how they program sprints and jumps. Cool. So this, correct me if I'm wrong. So this is the second year for you guys to do this, right? So, so it's the second year for Andrew and I to be on board, right? Um, it's been created for three years now. It's just the first year, uh, I don't know how much traction it got or not. Um, we, uh, we've been on board with Mike now for uh, three or for, for two years trying to uh, kind of help drive awareness. And, and specifically, it's, it's education. But everything that we do this for is all the money from T-shirt sales and all that stuff. It actually goes to um, – athletes against anxiety and uh, depression so it's a it's a, a foundation to fight mental health disorders in athletes which is very 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 common and all the profits from any t-shirt sales that we have go to that so it's really for a good cause that's really good man that's really good yeah we want to you know it, it's not to line our own pockets by any means There's, we don't honestly we get no benefit out of it financially um you know mike makes the t-shirts um, and then any any uh, profit that comes from those T-shirt sales, which is really what we're we're trying to drive, is is give us the donation as in a T. You get a T-shirt back, right? Give us a donation for creating the program, for creating the content, the education. Give us all that in the uh, purchase of a T-shirt, and then we donate that money to uh, you know athletes against anxiety and depression, and it, it's kind of a win-win for everybody. Cool. So I kind of want to like extend the question I ask is yeah. like uh, the question I ask is is the program for team sport athlete or like track guys. So the next thing I want to ask is uh, if you're gonna train like team sport athlete for speed training and uh -huh. if you're gonna train track guys, let's say like 100 meter sprinter, what is the difference and how like how would you program it? Well, the difference, if you're looking at the actual Sprint Timber program, that would be geared more towards a team sport athlete just because of probably the volumes that we're looking at. The volumes that we prescribe in those, in those programs are fairly low. With a track athlete, being that that is their sport, I mean, the training is their sport, they're going to probably have a little bit higher volumes. But you wouldn't necessarily go about it a different way. Um, you could still use the same format, which is usually based around a high-low model. That comes from track itself with Charlie Francis, the famous uh, Canadian sprint coach. So the model is the same for a track athlete and a team sport athlete. It's probably just in some of the uh, exercises and the volumes that you that you would undertake. They're going to be higher with the, with the track athlete most likely. But even in a beginning pro stage program, you could use this for a track athlete very easily and then – start progressing your uh, your volumes out as you get through the month cool so i actually su subscribed to your program and i noticed there's a like there's a difference between the uh yeah 
beginners and the advanced. So why is the like weekly layout different? Like uh, I, as I as I can remember, I think the beginner starts with a low CNS warm up, right? Yeah. First day of the week and. For the advanced athlete, they started with the high CNS day, right? Yeah. Why is the difference? Yeah. So really, what it is is, with your low training age or low developed athletes, we're going to have more low intensity methods. So that means three low intensity days over the course of the week with two high intensity days.、Um, you, we don't need to introduce a bunch of high intensity elements because there's so much meat on the bone. With a low training age athlete, that we can get a lot of gain at a submaximal means, which is really where those low intensity training methods come into into play. With your jumps, a lot of your technical aspects with the running and the sprinting. The advanced athlete, we're looking at a higher training age, and so those athletes, we say, we can put a little bit more high intensity training into their program, and that's why they are on a three day high, two day low. The regenerative the regenerative days. Or restoration days are in the middle there on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're sandwiched with high intensity days. Those those advanced athletes can just handle more high intensity means because they've they've trained longer. They need a higher stimulus to develop. That's really all the thought process is. And we wanted to, and 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 we wanted to give them basically、um, different options because there's not every athlete is the same. Right, not every athlete's the same. We know we've, we're going to have adults sign up for this that might not have sprinted in in five or ten years. Sometimes we've we've had those people sign up, and so you can't throw them on the same high intensity program that、uh, an athlete, a college athlete that sprints seven times a week or whatever in their in their sport、um, is doing. You 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 can't match those. So we had to we had to give it we had to give. Our audience、um, some variation in there just so that they could work to their skill set. Cool. So how to like classify it,、uh, my athlete? Which one is which one's gonna go to like the beginners program, and which one's gonna go to the advanced one? Yeah,、uh, I mean, there's really no、uh, there's no specific classification that I, that I could sit here and say, hey, here's the line or the the, the delineation between beginner and advanced. It's really up to the coach and the coach's eye. You know, if it's if if you've got athletes that have been sprint training for several years and have a good strength base behind them, that's where I would say, yeah, they're probably fine for the advanced program. If you haven't had an if if an athlete is is young, undeveloped, and you're talking high school or younger, who doesn't have a good strength base behind them, then absolutely they're going into the beginner program. As far as adults go and the older crowd, if you haven't been sprinting, it's a no brainer. You start in the uh, in the uh, Beginner intermediate template.、Um, if you have been sprinting and you have that background behind you, you sprinted recently, then you're going to go go into the advanced program. That's really all it is. Cool. So as far as I know, it's a four month sprinting program, right? Yeah. So,、uh, how to combine the sprinting program with the gym training? The thing was the things we're going to do in the gym. Right. Yeah. Good question. So you really want to just follow the exact model that we've kind of outlined. So in that beginner template, you see three low intensity days with two high intensity days. Your low intensity days, we want to match that stimulus in the gym because the one of the biggest problems that we see is you want. Let me start. Let me let me preface it with this: for 
optimal recovery, we have to organize our training correctly. And that's where a lot of people go wrong in that they think, well, if I'm going to be easy on the field this day, I'm going to go really hard in the gym this day. If I'm going to go hard on the field this day, then I'm going to go easy on the gym. And they try to, they try to um, play off the other aspect, whether it's the field or the gym, by making one really hard and one really light. Well, what happens is you just get back-to-back days of no recovery. And so that is not optimal to recover from. And so we want to match the stimulus. So those low-intensity days, you want to match that in the gym. For us, a low-intensity day would usually mean more upper body training um, <clears throat> and or light accessory training. Um, on a high-intensity day, we want to match that with our high-intensity lifts. So if you're doing Olympic lifts, anything that involves huge uh, motor recruitment, Olympic lifts, med ball throws, uh, loaded jumps, that type of stuff. I mean, loaded jumps are in the program already. Those things are going to be on those high-intensity days. Heavy squats, heavy deadlifts. Um, anything super, super heavy on the lower body is going to be on those high intensity days because you're recruiting a ton of motor units and that's CNS stress. So we want to consolidate those stressors on those high intensity days. Your low intensity days, just like I said, is going to be more accessory work, higher rep schemes. You're not going to have a large load on your body. Um, so that's why upper body works, uh, upper body, uh, uh, work is, is great on those low intensity days. It's like, the topic we talked before, like right, like uh, game day lift, right? And I think the, these kind of concept is like getting popular, no matter it's the state or all around the world, right? Why do you think like like things like game day lift or like matching the matching the stimulus? Yeah, are getting like more and more popular right now. Well, it's, it's because in order to optimize your training, you have to optimize recovery. And that, that's, that's 100% about what adaptation is, is about, is optimizing recovery. And the only way that you can optimize recovery is by organizing those stressors to the same day. Like we talked about earlier, if you're continually back-to-back -back days um, subject an athlete to high-intensity stress, they never have a chance to recover. There's never a time when they can actually recover. So all you do is drive their body further and further and further into a depressed state. Whereas if you consolidate those stressors and whatever you do on the field or practice or the weight room is all high, and then the next day everywhere you go is low or off or whatever the case is, then you consolidate stress and you allow their body to adapt to what, what they just faced with those high-intensity stressors. So it's all about organizing stressors so that you optimize recovery that's that's 100 what it's about and and hopefully um coaches and athletes are aware that it's not about continually subjecting your body to more and more and more it's about organizing it so that you can optimize the recovery processes cool i love this answer yeah i appreciate it <laughs> so the next thing is like it's a full month sprinting program but how to like extend it like to a whole year program sure sure well not really a not necessarily an easy answer for instagram but really all you would do is you would match the template that we have laid out already so in the uh, beginner template you've got three low intensity days two high intensity days and we give you a month long of examples for uh, 
kind of each one of those exercise categories, right? We start with loaded sprints and we work into the, uh, to, to week four with fly sprints and things like that. All it is is a short to long program. So if you were truly extending that, all you'd have to do is, is you might build it out as your first two or three months or acceleration based, which we talk about in the first week to two weeks. I mean, that is a ton of acceleration work with loaded uh, sprints, with hill sprints, all that type of stuff. And then you might extend it out into zones for the next two or three months. And then you extend it out into uh, max velocity for the, for the last two or three months. That's one way to do it. That would be more of a block form where you're, you're training each individual aspect. So acceleration, transition speed, and then absolute speed. Or you could do it concurrently where your one day might be acceleration, your day two, maybe uh, max velocity. And essentially what you have to do is you just have to add variation to that. You're going to increase your volume most likely. Your intensities are still going to be high, but you're going to increase your volume over the course of months because, as we know, once your body adapts, it is no longer adapting. And so you're going to have to provide some sort of stimulus in increased volume and or exercise changes, right? And so for acceleration work, we look at hill sprints. We look at loaded sprints, resisted sprints. You could change the load on that. You could change the distance out. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you could add other, you could add of other novelty in the form of you know resisted sprints with bands or something like that. There's there's all kinds of changes that you can make to introduce novelty into the program variation with your uh, with your uh, max velocity work. You can start with shorter fly sprints and extend the distance, starting with tens. Extend your fly zone to maybe thirty yards at max. You can, you can um, th the same thing uh, we talked about with accelerations, novelty in there, so variation with float, sprint, floats, with sprint, float, sprint. Uh, there's different things, different uh, drills, essentially, that you could use. You just, you would follow the same template as far as high and low. All you have to do is you have to start building volume and adding novelty when the body has adapted and you feel like it's no longer working. That's really how you would extend it out into a year-long program. Cool. So uh, let's say if I want to train my like rugby team based on the program, how if and let's say how how often would you put the test in? Let's say our training. I mean, that's a good question. For me, let me answer this a different way. If I have access to, you know, an electronic timing system or whatever it is, I use that on a weekly basis. So, so I don't think of testing specifically on month-to-month -month, uh, basis, block-to-block -block or anything like that. I actually want the testing involved in the training as much as possible because then I don't have to have a specific day where, hey, I hope you feel really good because you're going to test today. And if your test doesn't go well, it's going to make you feel really bad because you've wasted a month of training. That's The body is continually, continually adjusting, adapting. And, and some athletes are stressed at one time, others aren't. And so some will produce really, really good times one day and the, the other half won't because they're just not having a great day. And so when you introduce testing as training and have it in the program all the time, then you can actually just see, you can see gradual progression with your athletes and you don't have to rely on a testing date specifically. So we use our free lap system to test our athletes every week. And it's not testing, we're training. 
we're training and guess what? You get objective feedback while you train. That's all it is. So they know exactly how fast. We tested Tuesday with uh, fly sprints. Um, <clears throat> so our athletes knew how fast they were running. We'll test it again on, we'll test it again next Tuesday. We'll put the free lap out while they run their fly, their fly sprints. And then the following Tuesday after that. And so we'll test it four times in a month. And if they have an off day, no big deal. Next week, guess what? You got faster. The week after that, guess what? You got faster. But if you only use testing days very, 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 very infrequently, the problem is, is that you have to hope everybody feels really, really good on that day and performs or else psychologically in their mind, they think, man, I didn't get faster. I just wasted an entire month of my training. You know, what do I need to do differently? And so that's one of the reasons I hate testing days. So we want to, we want to train and collect data as we're training. And that's all it is. Cool, man. Love this. The next thing I want to ask is, uh, there's a post on your Instagram and a topic is like really interesting. It's, you said it like the 300 yard shuttle is a waste of time. So for the coaches in Taiwan, they don't really know about like 300 shuttle. Can you like, like explain what is 300 shuttle and 300 yard shuttle and why do you think that it's a waste of time? Sure. The uh, 300 yard shuttle is, it, it, it's a test for, uh, it's really a test for anaerobic development um, of anaerobic energy system development. And there's multiple ways to do it. It's 25 yards down and back, you know, six times, or it's 30 yards down and back five times. So you sprint out, touch the line, sprint back, and you continually do that until you've covered 300 yards. And generally what you're looking for is, you know, in pro baseball, the test used to be, or the standard was you had to do that, um, under 55 seconds, somewhere in that 50 to 60 second range. So 55 seconds was a standard for a long time with a lot of teams. You had to do that with three to five minutes rest, um, two to three times. So each team kind of had their own variation with it. But at the end of the day, that test is a waste of time for baseball athletes because that energy system is not prevalent in baseball whatsoever. And so to ask your athletes to, to, to take that test, number one, but not only take it, but then they're expected to train for it. Well, the training in itself is an absolute waste of time because there's no use outside of the test other than just doing the test. It's not practical for baseball. Baseball is an alactic sport where high, uh, you know, high, uh, high intensity bursts followed by long, 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 long rests where the anaerobic glycolytic energy system doesn't even come into play. It's never a factor whatsoever. And so that's why I believe it's a waste of time. I mean, does it test who your fastest athlete is on the base paths? No. Does it, does it um, show who your best baseball player is? No. Does it really have any relation to the sport? Does it mimic the sport at all? No. It doesn't do any of those things. I mean, we've seen from our GPS data that oftentimes the longest sprint that our athletes have outside of on the base paths, the longest sprint that they have in the field for an infielder might be basically six to nine yards at high speed, not 300 yards. They never run 300 yards. I mean, rarely, I don't know of a team sport, to be honest, where an athlete runs 300 yards at 80% max velocity for a minute straight. They don't, they don't, that doesn't happen. 
And so if you truly want to train the sport specifically, then we need to watch the, watch the athletes on the field and, and mimic what they do. And baseball is all about alactic, high power, um, first step quickness, acceleration. That's what baseball is. So uh, let's say for base, baseball team, what kind of tests would you use? So conditioning test, I don't use a conditioning test because to me, conditioning doesn't really come into it doesn't come into play i want to see how fast my guys are i want to test acceleration i want to test max velocity that's the things i want to know um <clears throat> as far as if we were just conditioning our athletes how do we go about that i utilize tempo runs as one so tempo runs which um are essentially 75 percent or less uh speed with 50 to 100 yards distance so it's a great opportunity for us to practice running very relaxed and using great maximal velocity mechanics um what i what i the example i use for our athletes pretend like you're usain bolt in the semifinals of you know an average track meet where he's 15 yards ahead of everybody what's he do he's super relaxed it's really really easy that's what i want our athletes to feel like in a tempo run so We'll do those with about a 45 to 60 second rest. The heart rate basically drops down back to around 120. And then we go back into our next rep. And we'll do that for maybe 500 to sometimes up to 2,000 yards. So it's a great session to develop some of the aerobic system, but you're developing it within the parameters of some of our sprint training is really what it is. The aerobic system is great for baseball athletes because it's responsible for parasympathetic parasympathetic activity which allows us to have higher workloads on the field in the weight room sprinting allows us for higher workloads but it allows us to recover faster and so it's still important to have a high functioning aerobic system but that does not need to be the priority and that's why i say 300 yard shuttles and training for energy systems that don't have any relevance to the sport are a waste of time I'm going to train the alactic system very, very, very hard and support that with polarized means of low-intensity activity, which is tempo runs. And that's how, we're going to, that's how we're going to build our training, all right? We are going to focus primarily on the alactic system, and I'm not going to waste time and energy, which the anaerobic glycolytic energy system takes a ton of energy, and it's a ton of stress to your athletes. I'm not going to waste my time doing that because they don't need it. Yeah. Agreed. I'm going to ask a stupid question, but anyway, does all the thing you mentioned fit to like other sports like football or like basketball? I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I refer to Charlie Francis a ton, but his favorite quote, my favorite quote from Charlie Francis, I should say, not his favorite quote, <laughs> my favorite quote from him was watch the athlete, not the sport. Too often, coaches watch the sport. So take soccer, for example. When you watch a soccer game from the 10,000-foot view, what is it? It's a bunch of it's, – it's just back and forth and back and forth, and it appears that these athletes never stop running. And so coaches get in their mind, well, that's why the 300-yard shuttle would be so important because, look, the ball never stops. It's just back and forth. Everybody's back and forth. But that's not how it really works. When you watch an athlete on the soccer field – What happens is it's these high-intensity bursts with lots of walking and slow jogging and even standing around a lot of times. So if you get caught up in the sport, you often don't pay attention to 
to some of the intricacies that happen with the athlete and the athlete is completely different than the actual sport. And so I say that to my interns all the time, my coaches, you need to watch the athlete, not the sport. The athlete is how you need to train them. And if, and we basically, we use the 300 yard shuttle and conditioning tests, 110 conditioning tests, which are a common football test. We use that because they're easy. Um, it's, it's, it's what conditioning has always been. They're easy to implement. You don't have to have any thought into it. And the reality is those, those, aren't, those aren't good tests to do with our athletes. We need to see what our athletes actually do and build a needs analysis around how they perform and what they're doing in their sport and then create conditioning tests based on that, right? And if you truly did that, then it would be much more specific to the actual demands that they face in their sport which a lot of us don't do that but that's what we need to do you know there's there's times in basketball i'm sure that they that they uh that the 300 yard shuttle could be a be a valuable test for certain teams and the, the style of play but there's also a lot of other times that it's it's probably not a valuable test and we should actually uh, look at what those athletes do on a regular basis and then build our conditioning tests based on that Cool. Appreciate for like spending so many time on this question. There's a, the reason I asked this is uh, I think there's gonna, still going to be some performance coach going to be uh, confused about sure. how to like train their athlete conditioning wise. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, to, to me, I've put this out on post before as well. Conditioning, energy system development, in this country at least, is the most, you know, it, it, it's the it's the biggest weakness of performance coaches that there is. I don't think it. I don't think it gets its due diligence well. I, I don't think people know it well, and it is continually done very poorly. It's taught very poorly in our in our school systems as far as you know college curriculum goes. And our interns, when they come in, they really have no idea of what they're doing when it comes to conditioning. Everything is just a general 300-yard shuttle, the 110 uh, conditioning test with football. And those, those are not the things that we should be doing with our athletes. So, you know, for references, for uh, your uh, audience, um, one of my good friends, uh, Joel Jameson, He's really the master when it comes to uh, conditioning. And his book, uh, let me see, I've got it right here. You know, it's uh, Ultimate MMA Conditioning. Okay. So, so Joel's, uh, this is, it's written for MMA, but the first, you know, three or four chapters are nothing more than a breakdown of the energy systems that we have, the aerobic, the, uh, the lactic, the alactic system. It's a breakdown of uh, the means and methods of the energy systems and how you, should, how you should apply those means and methods. And so to me, that's the Bible for conditioning. And so the back half of it is more MMA specific, but it, it goes into a ton of stuff that I think every coach should know. And this will start you on a path to enlightenment when it comes to actual energy system development. Cool. After this talk, I'm going to get it on Amazon. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so Joel and I were actually interns together um, um, back in our uh, University of Washington days. Uh, oh. 
17 or 18 years ago. Yeah. Whoa. That's cool. So the last question I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the sprinting program. Yep. So, uh, we usually talk about like the volume or like the technique or the posture when we talk about like sprinting, right? Yeah. But for drills like, let's say like uh, A skip, B skip or like bounding or like... Uh... Dribbles, dribbles would be a big yeah. posture drill for us. Yeah. So how to like build up a let's say a warm up for let's say like acceleration day and max speed day. Sure. So for us, I'll just give you an example of how we handle it here at TCU. For us, we're going to start with our. <clears throat> it's the traveling skills from three D movement prep, which I've I've written about. I've I've uh, it's a product that I've that I've made. It talks about all of our warm ups specifically. Um, we start with our traveling skills, which builds coordination and really. To me, athleticism, it, it, it challenges their brain a little bit. But the, excuse me. But that also builds in some of our extensive plyos. So it's got a lot of contacts in it. So the first, the first five to seven minutes of our warm-up is very general. On an acceleration day from that point, we go into our A-series. Because the A-series for me is more about, you know, it's about fast thigh switches. It resembles acceleration a little bit more in the way that um, our legs are more piston-like. And that's what acceleration is. Acceleration is piston-like leg action, driving force down and back into the ground. We go into our A-series, which is a series of five drills. We superset each one of those A-series drills with some form of technical buildup. So we do the drill to apply the skill. It's the drill to skill. And so the only reason you're doing those drills is to apply it in your actual skill of sprinting. And so every one of those drills is, is superset with some type of technical buildup. The same model happens on our max V days. Our max V days, five to seven minutes of traveling skills, superset with combined with mobility somewhere in there. And then the uh, specific warm-up for us turns into dribbles, which dribbles are front side mechanic action. We know that, um, <clears throat> we know that athletes that have uh, backside mechanics that are very, very long on the backside often – have they can often run into hamstring issues so it's more stressful on the hamstring um, so we want our athletes to have some form of front side mechanics and so that dribble series helps to uh to drive those front side mechanics in and again we superset those with some type of technical buildup so we may do a, a, a an ankle or a calf dribble back on the line now you're going to go a 40 yard technical buildup all right, um, and then we may move to the uh, calf or the or the knee dribble. Then it's another forty-yard technical buildup. This week we progressed to um, uh, let's see, we progressed to our hurdle uh, technical buildup. So the athletes will hold a hurdle over their head, especially the backside athletes that we have. Some of our athletes don't need that, but they'll hold a hurdle over their head for their skills and drills. So their drill, which is the dribbles, hurdle is over their head forces the pelvic pelvis to uh, tuck up and under a little bit more into neutral or, or posterior pelvic tilt. And that gives us the ability to have front side action. Right. Um, and then we'll go into our technical run with that hurdle overhead again, come back, drill skill. So it just repeats like that until 
we work up to 100% on our buildup, and then we're into our training session. Cool. So what's like, like what's the, let's say for acceleration day, what is the total running value? Um, it kind of depends. So we have to microdose a little bit because we are essentially in season. Um, we're in season all the time. So a lot of our acceleration work is really just microdose. For us, I'm never going to hit volumes over 350 yards. I mean, 350 for us is kind of the max. I've talked about this a little bit before. I don't focus on the yardage as much as I used to. I used to be very I used to be a stickler for yardage and say, you know, we're going to go uh, two, 200 today, 250, two, 275, 300, progress, you know, logically up our yardage volumes. But I'm much more aware of how the athletes are, their readiness on a day-to-day -day basis, if you want the truth. And so I, I judge a lot of our work based on their scores on readiness and just how the athletes are look, uh, how they're moving and, and, and feeling and how they look based upon what my eyes tell me. Because you can tell if an athlete is, is ramped up and ready to go and feels good in their warm-up because they're often bouncing around a little bit. They're talkative. If they're tired, fatigued, the team is tired and fatigued, well, I'm not going to chase the volumes that I had if they're not ready for it because all you're asking for is an injury. And so if they're, if they're not talkative, they're not bouncing around and I can't tell that there's energy in the group, well, then I'm probably going to cut some of that. Um, so generally our volumes, if you included all the warm-up stuff that we do, which is use, usually five to seven technical buildups of around 20 to 40 yards, um, if you include all those volumes, we're going to get a little bit over 350, right? So we're going to be somewhere in the 350 to 500 range, but actually max intense sprints we are generally under 200 yards, um, 200 yards at most. So uh, I'll give you a max V, uh, our max V day on Tuesday. We did uh, our five technical buildups in increasing intensity up to 100%. All right. And so then once we started our actual training session, we did a 60-yard run, which was a 40-yard buildup plus a 20-yard fly. And that was with PVC overhead, so it's not truly a 100% a, a run. It's submaximal because they can't run 100% with something over their head, right? So there's two runs of that, 60 yards. That's 120 yards. And then we did three fly sprints with a 30-yard build-in. So that's a 40-yard run. So three 40-yard runs, 120 yards, plus um, the uh, 120 yards, so 240 total yards right there on our max V day. That's what we hit on Tuesday. And that's pretty standard. That'll be, that'll be pretty standard throughout the semester with guys that feel really, really good. We might add one or two more max V runs with guys that don't, we're going to cut them at two every time. So it's based on how they feel, how much, we, how much volume we're going to get. Cool, man. Really love this. So why is it, why is it all the time like in season? Like you just mentioned, yeah, because uh, <laughs> college athletes never get a rest. Um, there, we uh, so essentially this is what the schedule looks like. They come back in uh, August, middle of August. They start individuals with our coaching staff. So individuals is basically thirty minute time windows. 
that they have group training um, on the baseball field, uh, group practice on the baseball field. So infielders, outfielders, they're all kind of like broken up by their position. They'll do that for three and a half to four weeks. And then we have an, uh, basically a seven to eight week in-season period where we practice team practice every day. And we'll play a couple of games during that time against opponents. And when we finish with that, we'll have a couple weeks left in the off season or fall semester. But you run into Thanksgiving, into finals, into some of that other stuff that really just breaks training up. We don't get a chance to train after uh, after the fall season's over. And so then they go home for Christmas. And then they're back January. Uh, they're on campus for one week. And then we start the uh, in-season, uh, the preseason period going to in-season uh, baseball. So there's never like a block of, hey, you're not going to play any baseball. This is only off-season training. That never happens. Cool. Cool. Love this. I love this podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it makes training very difficult. But And that's why I say I have to be very attuned to the readiness of our athletes because our athletes are, are truly never in an off-season where I can just layer on lots of load and training and volume and all, you know, all this fancy stuff. I can't do that. We have to always be, uh, we have to always be cognizant of how they feel. It seems like this kind of situation goes all around the world, right? I would imagine. Yeah. And like all kinds of athletes are dealing, dealing with this kind of situation. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to be a very skilled athlete, you have to practice the skill. So it, it, you can't say that, well, we shouldn't play our skill or do our skill for six months out of the year and just train. You have to be doing your skills. So um, I, I would say that that's, that's the norm. Cool. That's like all the question I have for today. Appreciate sure. your time, man. Yeah. I, no think last time, I think last time we talked, you're, Your child just got birth, right? If yeah. If I'm remembering it right. How is your child and your wife? Is it, is it good over there? Yeah, they're doing great. He, uh, he just turned one, so you're right. We had just had a kid. He just turned one. He's walking. Um, he's all over the place. I got to chase him down everywhere. So, you know, we thought we wanted him to walk. And then as soon as he starts walking, you realize it was a lot more fun when he couldn't move and he just laid there in the middle of the floor all the time. So <laughs> it wasn't a lot more fun, I should say. It was a lot easier. Now it's yeah. just really chasing him everywhere, right? So I get a ton of steps in a day. Are you planning to get a second child? Yeah, we uh, we are uh, eventually. Uh, yeah, we'll eventually try with a, a second one and and try to give him a brother or a sister. Cool, cool. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. So, before I let you go. If there's like coaches or like therapists are interested in, in what we're talking about today, where can yeah. they reach out to you? So, yeah. So, you know, all my social media is, is, uh, at Zach Dakent. Um, they can go, I mean, my website, the same thing is, uh, Zach, on there. You can go in and, and, um, find the sprint timber information. Um, those pages are there. All you got to do is sign up. It sends you a free, And even if you sign up now that we're in the uh, second or third week of, of uh, September, you still get all the back programs that you've missed, which was week zero, week one, week two. So, you know, go sign up for Sprint Timber. Go buy a T-shirt so that we can help athletes with uh, uh, anxiety and depression. 
and uh, with those donations and uh yeah they can reach out to me on social media or uh, uh by email anytime happy to answer any questions they have thank you for doing all this man yeah absolutely eric i appreciate you having me on so i'm, I'm probably going to invite you to do another one in the near future okay sure appreciate it man see you yeah. have a good one thanks eric you too. bye bye